excited to be here with you today. I um, get to wrap up the series, a little help from my friends. How many of you have gotten something out of this series so far? We've had an incredible month of July. Can you believe that it is the 1st of August already? Oh, I hear some sighs. <laughs> How many parents are in the room excited that August has arrived and school will be starting soon? A few of you, yes, yep. Well, next week, Pastor Jason will be here starting a new series called This Side of Heaven. Because he's been out, I don't have any details, but I will say, based off of the title of the series, I'm very expectant and excited for what he's going to bring to this house in this next season. So be sure to be here. It's going to be a good week. A couple of months ago, I got to speak to our women at our tribe event, and what I felt like God put on my heart to share with our women was pain and how to work through pain. Yay! And when I was praying about today, I kind of felt the same way. I felt like what God put on my heart to share with you today is to have another perspective when it comes to areas of weakness that we all have. So I think sometimes when we hear the word weakness, what do we do? We kind of tense up. We kind of uh, feel insecure or unsure. Or we all know that we have those places and spaces in our life, but we'd rather highlight our strengths and diminish our weaknesses. But the reality is, is that we all have them. Would you agree? We all have areas of weakness. And so today what I want to do is talk to us about how we do better in the area of understanding that our whole selves God created and designed for a purpose, including those areas of weakness that we might struggle with. So what does our culture do with weakness? Do we like celebrate it? Right now the Olympics are on. Are we celebrating the people that didn't make it to the Olympics? We don't even know who they are, right? We know the strong, the capable, the, depend, the uh, people that are strong and, um, and have made it to the Olympics. And so we do that in our culture as well right? We highlight and lift up the powerful and the strong and the capable, those that hold titles and descriptions. And um, what do we do with the weak? Exactly. <laughs> we ignore them. We push them out. We're not sure exactly how to like honor them or what to do with them. The room was just completely silent. So that's, that's exactly what we do with the weak. We're not sure. And so when we look at ourselves and we realize that we have weaknesses, we're not exactly sure what to do with them. And so we're going to dive in today learning about weaknesses and how God uses those in our lives. And so the title for today is The Advantage of Weakness. And we're going to look at the man in the Bible named Gideon and his journey with the Lord as we look at weaknesses. So Gideon was an Israelite, and if you don't know the history of the Israelites, they were God's people that they, God would lead them out into the wilderness. He was taking them on a journey to the promised land, and they would often turn their backs on him, and so things would happen, and then they would repent, and they would come back to him. Well, when Gideon comes on the scene, the Israelites had actually turned back to God, and 
during the course of their oppression of the Midianite people, because they were turned away from God, Gideon comes on the scene as the Israelites have repented and God has heard them, heard him and heard them and um, answers them. And so we're going to pick up in Judges 6, verse 11 through 16. And when they had turned away from God, just know this, that the Midianites actually had oppressed them for seven years, which means that the Israelites were living out of caves and dens and mountains. They were actually pretty impoverished during these seven years as the Midianites would actually come in and steal their harvest. So that's where we're going to pick up in Judges 6, verses 11. And it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So we learn right here in this passage of Scripture, we learn about Gideon's character, we also learn about how Gideon saw himself and how God saw Gideon. Gideon was young, he was cautious, he was insecure, he was full of doubts. And God saw him, what? As a mighty man of valor, full of strength. Gideon wasn't wrong. He just had a natural, limited perspective, and God wasn't wrong. God had a full, divine perspective. And sometimes, as we walk around with the weaknesses that we all carry, we forget the fact, we want to compartmentalize our lives, that there's a yes and a no, there's right or wrong, there's black and white. But what we learn right here in the story of Gideon is that we have to learn to live in the tension of the fact that Gideon was right and God was right. We as humans have weaknesses that God sees and he calls us to greater and higher and, and stronger places and positions if we would allow him to. So, Gideon had to decide which perspective he would give power to. He had to choose whether or not he was going to sit in his perspective of himself, in lack and in doubt and in fear, or if he would choose what God spoke over his life. We have the same choice. We can think about all of the areas of weakness in which we have. And we can say, well, I can't do that. You might not be able to see it, but I know all of the things that I struggle with, and I can't do that. Or day by day, along the journey with Jesus, we can trust what he says 
about us. See, sometimes we believe the lie that God only uses our strengths. Don't we do that? We put our strengths in the spotlight and we put our weaknesses back in the corner, right? And the reality is, is that God wants to use both our weaknesses and strengths, and we have them by design. So today, I want to look at three advantages we have in our weaknesses. Are you ready? You with me? All right, advantage number one. Freedom is available when we come out of hiding. Adam and Eve, the first two people that God created on this earth, they walked with God in the garden and God forbid them from eating of the fruit that they ended up consuming, right? And they did this and then what did they do after eating the fruit? They actually hid from God. God came into the garden and said, where are you? Instead of running to him, they ran away from him, and they hid from him. And it's our natural tendency to do the same thing. When we feel like we've messed up or we have mistakes or we have shortcomings, we want to run away and hide those portions of ourselves rather than running to Jesus with them. However, when we try to cover up our weaknesses, it actually works against us. We think that we're experiencing freedom in the cover-up. But the deception actually traps us. John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, God knows all the maneuvers we make as humans. We know that, right? God is omniscient, which is a big word that means that he is all-knowing that he has infinite awareness and understanding. So our hiding or our covering doesn't keep him from knowing. He already knows. But our hiding or our covering actually keeps him at a distance away from being able to work in and through those areas that we're keeping him from. When we can be honest about our weaknesses our doubts, our struggles, our tendencies, the things that we feel like, man, I just wish that I would be over and better in these areas already, it can actually free us to the point where we can experience the fullness of life that God has for us. See, we're actually more honest about our natural limitations, right? Like we all know that we need sleep. Some of you probably slept last night. I did not, but some of you probably did. (laughs) But we know that there's going to run a time where our bodies physically need sleep, right? We'd all agree with that. I know that in my limited five foot, three inch capacity, I'm not going to compare to somebody that's over six feet tall. I can't get things off the top shelf of my kitchen, okay? So I can declare those things to you because those are natural limits, But we tend to not want to highlight or declare from the rooftops the other limits that we all face. We actually find Gideon hiding. And I don't know if you caught that, so we're going to go back and read Judges 6.11 again. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress, 
in order to hide it from the Midianites. Remember that I said that the Midianites actually came in and were stealing the harvest from the Israelites. So Gideon is disguising or hiding his harvest. What do you normally do in a wine press? You press grapes in order to make wine. Well, because they were being oppressed, wine wasn't necessarily being the, like, drink of choice in, in their oppression. And so they were using the wine presses to hide and thresh wheat. So we find Gideon in the wine press or in hiding. It's not actually the hiding that frees him, but the availability to ask God some questions. I don't know if you've ever been there where you're like, man, I don't know that I can do this, God. How, like, can I ask you some questions about the things that you're asking me to navigate? Gideon asked God some questions. Gideon said, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? When we ask questions, it builds our faith. When we come out of hiding with our weaknesses, there are going to be moments where we need to ask God a few questions. And some of us in this room need to give ourselves permission to go on the journey of opening the door to the things that we've pushed out and allow God to sit with your questions and heal some areas of your life that have need healing for a long time. God's big enough. He's big enough. Gideon asked questions. And so did Jesus' disciples. John 9, 1 through 3 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So likewise... The Lord can use mine and your weaknesses to bring him glory. But we have to be willing to come out of hiding with them. For those of you that know some of my story, you would know that I am a six on the Enneagram. If you've not heard of the Enneagram before, it is a personality assessment on steroids. <laughs> yeah, some of you know the Enneagram. That's why you're laughing. <laughs> But it is such a good deep dive into why we do the things we do. It talks about like who we are in health and who we are in unhealth. And one of the things that the six, the loyalist deals with is fear. And those of you that might know my story, you might know some of this, but I had fear come on the scene in my life at a very unfair young age, at the age of one actually. And so when I look at memories from my whole life, fear has always been knocking at the door. So I can relate to Gideon in that God found me in hiding. And it was my questions and my wrestle that allowed me to come out of the wine press, that allowed me to step into the things that it was that God had called me to do. God said to Gideon, I see you as a mighty man of valor. There are things that he has called each and every one of us to. If we would allow ourselves to step out of the wine press and go through the journey with him. For me, instead of sitting in being a fearful person as my identifier, 
I was reminded of 2 Corinthians 12, 9 that says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So what do we typically do when we read that scripture verse? We focus on God's power and we negate our weakness. But what this is saying is that God's power is activated when we acknowledge the fact that we need him because we have areas in our life that are weak. It was when I exposed my weakness and allowed God to work through it that I found my place and my voice and my freedom. Listen to this quote from um, Charles Spurgeon. It says, God does not need your strength. He has more than enough power of his own. He asks for your weakness. He has none of that himself. And he is longing, therefore, to take your weakness and use it as the instrument in his own mighty hand. Will you not yield your weakness to him and receive his strength? So we have freedom when we come out of hiding. Advantage number two. Awareness of weakness mobilizes us. We know that Gideon was aware of his weaknesses because he voiced them. What did he say? He said that he was weak and the least. He had been living out of caves and hiding in dens and mountains to try to survive the Midianite oppression. He was insecure and he was full of doubt. So how do we discover our weaknesses? Well, the reality is, is that as I've been talking, things have probably been coming to mind. They're not too much of a mystery to us, right? Some things are still hidden. Some things are still in the dark that we might not fully be aware of. But the reality is, is that we know a lot of the areas that we struggle and we need help with. We need to bring our awareness of these weaknesses to the Lord instead of keeping them under lock and key where he can't get to them. Remember that Gideon was right in his limited perspective and God was right. So likewise, you might have truth about your own weaknesses, but the truth with the capital T is actually helping us move forward and be mobilized knowing that God has great things in store for us, right? So when we look at awareness, it can actually keep us stuck rather than allowing God to move us forward. So what do I mean by that? Over the last six to nine months, what I have heard from people is that they are finding themselves becoming aware of the things that have trapped them or kept them. They're becoming aware of the areas where they need Jesus. And that's fantastic. But awareness in and of itself does not free us. What you declare defines you. So if you become aware that you maybe have a tendency to laziness, or you are a fearful person, or you have lots of generational baggage, or these are just the tendencies that you have, we've actually used awareness as a license to stay stuck rather than allowing God to grow us. Awareness 
should position us for action. Awareness is not the end. Gideon didn't choose to sit in his doubt, insecurity, or weakness. We go on in Judges. The story of Gideon is Judges 6 through chapter 8. And we go on in Judges to read that he went on a journey with God. And he asked God lots of questions to help build his faith, to know that God was actually calling him to free his people from the Midianites. Did he have doubts? Yes. But he didn't allow his doubts to keep him from entering into the power of God on his life. He didn't sit in the awareness of his reality. He mobilized and he responded to God and he stepped out of the wine press. God already sees your warrior status as well. But the journey of life is learning day at a time that we can see that in us too. We can lay our weaknesses before him, trusting that he's got us and he knows exactly what he's doing with us. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. And if you find yourself in that verse, it should give you some hope. Awareness of these weaknesses should give us great confidence that he's utilizing us. And he has called us into this place where we can be excited for the future because he's got it. And he's using us to dumbfound the world. Advantage number three. Submitted weakness can activate divine strength. Back in 2012, I was pregnant with our daughter who is now nine. And... My husband, Seth, and I were living in Arizona. We knew uh, Pastor Jason and Pastor Erica from our time there. And we felt like, before we knew anything about coming to Utah, we felt like God was getting ready to make a change in our life. And we just assumed that it was the fact that we had our daughter on the way. And in early 2012, we heard from Pastors Jason and Erica that they felt like it was the time for them to come to Salt Lake and plant a church. And we were just like, okay, we know you, God, but we don't, and we know them, but we don't know that this is our, this is our journey or this is our place or what, what are you doing? And so Seth's first Father's Day, actually, we drove the 10 hours from Phoenix to Salt Lake and we were driving the streets and we were praying over the city, trying to figure out if this was our next. And I want to report to you that my faith was stirred and I was courageous and bold, but remember, I'm a six. (laughs) And my response was feeling very overwhelmed at the fact that God would call me something, call me to something that I couldn't do in my own strength or ability. And I remembered 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness, in my weakness. So all of my feelings of doubts and insecurity 
And all of that were taken care of in that one verse where I could go home and say, okay, God, we're going to do this. And I might have some weaknesses and I might have some challenges and I may have never done this before, but let's go with you leading the charge. So I think sometimes we look at situations like this that make us uncomfortable and we look at our capacity or our lack thereof and we forget to interject God into the equation. Whatever it is that we're staring at, whatever it is that we're facing, whether it's something in our family or our job or the world in which we are facing today, let's not be a people that forget to interject God into our situations. Listen to this. Human weakness is not equal spiritual disadvantage. Human weakness is not equal spiritual disadvantage. It's actually quite the opposite. Isaiah 40, 28 through 30 says, Have you not known and have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. So our weaknesses are actually a gift. They're actually an invitation to press into his strength and his ability and his foresight to take care of the situations that we're facing across the board. See, those who see their dependence fully realize that they can't do anything on their own. They need God to work through them and in that way, that's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 9.10, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Every person has areas of strengths and weaknesses. And God desires to use both. How incredible is that? He equips us with strengths to serve him humbly and weaknesses so that we will stay connected to him. I want to read another passage of scripture as we get ready to close. It's talking about the disciple Ananias in Acts chapter 9, 10 through 19, and it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. He's asking questions. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came 
has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So Ananias was actually invited into the Lord's story. And Ananias, just like Gideon, had to go on a journey of God saying, hey, would you be a part of this? Hey, I've got something amazing for you. Would you be, would, would you be strong and bold and brave and would you do it? And Ananias was hearing stories about Saul and how he would kill those professing Jesus. And here Jesus is asking him, or God is asking him to go speak to him and go remove the scales from his eyes. And Ananias said he would do it and he went. And in doing that, Saul's name would be changed to Paul, and Paul would go on to be one of the greatest spreaders of the gospel, that he would impact so many lives, not only that were alive while he was alive, but us today. Paul wrote much of the New Testament and worked diligently and suffered so much to get the gospel out, and Ananias got to be a part of that story and that journey. And so my hope for you is that you would understand that you too get to embark on the Lord's story. When we bring our weaknesses to him, when we submit them to the Lord, we engage divine power and strength beyond what we're able to see, beyond what we're able to do in that moment. And God does mighty, amazing things. What I want you to understand is that when our weaknesses are connected with God's power, we become forces to be reckoned with. We become world changers. When we allow our weaknesses to come out from the corners, from out from lock and key, people are changed. Walls come down. Conversations are had. Healing takes place. So today as we get ready to close, I want to pray over you.